Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Backpacking Podcast. As always, I'm here with the man, the myth, the legend, the guy who is finally growing that beautiful red beard back <laughs> on his face, Jeremiah Stringer. How are you, my friend? Hey, man, I got bad news. Oh, no. Uh, Wednesday, I'm shaving this beard. Again? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get a haircut, man. We're about to go on vacay. Actually, why don't you secret. just trim it? Why does it have I, to go away? I will trim it, but I got a haircut scheduled. So I'm going backpacking, come back, shower, head to the barber, you know, get all trimmed up. And then I'm going on vacay with Mr. Backpacking with Jason. Oh, sir. Mr. Backpacking with Dad? Dude, yeah. we did not plan this at all either. I think that's hilarious. So we both got on here tonight, and we were both wearing the same <laughs> shirt, which is really funny. I just want to point that out. Definitely no plan at all on that one. Okay, check this out. Following Walker's World, is this the voice? If it is, it's going to get canceled real quick. That, <laughs> yeah, NBC's not standing for that. That is not that good. You like the new hat, man? Oh, yeah, dude. I look, for those that are just listening my hat is backward and i'm going total douche right now but john says it's okay john's got his trucker hat on yeah well this uh, this is actually from some buddies of mine a buddy of mine up in wisconsin in kenosha um he actually has a youtube channel called kiro garage but what he's doing is he's working towards starting a not-for-profit where he uh rebuilds cars to give to people who can't afford to buy cars um really cool not-for-profit so i like repping people that are doing good nice things so uh shout out to him what's it called it's called kiro garage check them out on youtube he does he does car rebuilds with his sons how do you spell that just like it says k-e-y row garage all right there you have it so yeah dude but check it out it's pretty cool man it's pretty cool his name's justin and uh it's a cool channel of watching. He's got, he's only got a few videos out. He's a smaller channel right now, but one of his videos is kind of blown up. So uh, he's doing some cool stuff, and I always like I always like supporting people that are doing cool stuff. True. Which brings us to our guest tonight. That's a good transition, man. I like that professional. I didn't even plan that. That just kind of happened. <laughs> but we are talking about somebody who uh, who cares about something we both care about, and that's cottage companies. Uh, startup companies that are working in the outdoor industry to bring some fantastic gear to people and uh, who've decided to do something for the backpacking community and put out a lot of sacrifice to make it happen. So we're going to bring in a guy right now who you may have seen on the Shill Brothers podcast, which is by far a better podcast than ours. But uh, we're going to bring him on here for a completely amateur podcast tonight. Uh, with us, and that is Mr. Lloyd Vogel. How are you, sir? I'm uh, I'm doing well. Um, I'm sorry that I'm I'm not matching uh, uh, shirts. And um, well, I wish I could be part of the beer club uh, or the beard club. Um, the mustache is really all I can do. So, man, I am disappointed. Like, Me why too. didn't you wear your shirt? I mean, come on, dude. We sent out a memo and everything. I, know, I, I just missed it. I'm dropping <sighs> the ball from the start. Well, totally I'm disappointed. I am jealous, man. Like, mustache looks good on you. My wife always makes me shave my eyes. I'm not kidding, man. We had some people over at the house the other day, and I shaved everything. Yeah, see that? Sweet stash. Sweet stash. I shaved my beard and just left the mustache, and I walked in, like, walked in from the bathroom and the master into the living room. And my wife was like, what? No. And then everybody was so confused. Like, they couldn't look at me. They would look at me and laugh. One of the babies started crying. It was terrible, man. Yeah, I'm just going to The baby started crying. Okay, funny story. My wife tonight at the house, this has nothing to do with backpacking. And if you all don't want to hear this, that's fine. But you, you can hit the, and if you're listening on the podcast, just hit the 30 second button a couple times. You'll get past all this. But, uh, 
so my wife is is my kids are playing today. I've got a three year old and a four year old, and they like to play monsters. And for some reason, my wife and I are always the monsters. And so they're playing monster, and and they my daughter whispers to my son, she goes, "Let's tiptoe past the monster." And so they're tiptoeing by, and my wife just pretends like she doesn't know what's going on. Then she turns around and growls really loudly, and it scared my little boy so much he just blew up and fell into tears, like, immediately. <laughs> We're horrible parents. Reinforcing your belief that both of you are monsters. <laughs> yes. You want to talk about mental health? My kids are going to have bad mental health because of that. that's what that means. So, uh, so Lloyd, Lloyd, let's talk a little bit about Garage Grown Gear because uh, this is a company that you found. Did you find found Garage Grown Gear or did you kind of get absorbed into Garage Grown Gear? I kind of found it and founded it. Um, I, uh, I, did not, uh, I did not start it. Um, Garage Grown Gear got its, uh, its start back in 2013. Uh, uh, a lady named Amy Hatch made it, who's uh, still very much a part of Garage Groom Gear. Um, and uh, I had started a different company about five years ago. And uh, four years ago, we merged with Garage Groom Gear. And uh, in that uh, transition, um, I, uh, yeah, kind of like took over all of the, the main operations and, and running of the ship. Um, and kind of at that point, um, like ultralight backpacking has always been a really a uh, passionate part of my outdoor experience and uh, similarly like supporting small companies. So it was kind of at that point, um, I guess in 2017 where garage grown gear really took this kind of ideological shift towards uh, specifically ultralight companies, specifically cottage brands and kind of just really embracing uh, that aspect of the community. So uh, I like to say that I, uh, I founded an iteration of, uh, of garage grown gear and uh, Amy and I, when we kind of, uh, you know, however, like arbitrary titles you want to assign, we refer to ourselves as co-founders uh, because uh, it kind of feels genuine to the the journey that has been Garage Grown Gear over the last eight years. So that's pretty awesome. That's pretty yeah. awesome. Well, listen, we need to get to know you a little bit better. Sure. So we're going to do something we like to call rapid fire. So the way this is going to work is really simple. I'm going to ask you a series of five questions that Jeremiah is not allowed to hear the answer to. Now, normally that's because um, whoever our guest is, their answers are right and Jeremiah's are wrong. <laughs> um, tonight, I don't know if we can do right and wrong. We may just still do it anyways because it's just fun to tell Jeremiah he's wrong. Um, but Jeremiah, you're going to take your headphones off. We can We can debate which... Is a better piece of gear if there's a hot topic one? We'll do that, but you can't listen first. All right, all right. Because I don't want you to be bitter before you answer. Hey, give me a thumbs up. when We need a signal. Give me the thumbs up whenever I can put my headphones back on. Okay, I can do that. I can do that. Radio silence. Okay, radio silence. Here it goes. All right, Lloyd. So I'm literally just going to ask you your favorites of different pieces of gear, and I, w- I just want you to give the brand and then whatever that item's name is. So, like, cool. if it's an Osprey backpack, like an Osprey Aether, mm-hmm. which, knowing that you work for Garage Grown Gear, I'm doubting Osprey is what we're going to be talking about tonight, but I just wanted to throw that out as an example. Sure. So, uh, okay, so the first one I want to ask you is, what is your favorite backpack? Ooh, uh, it's a great question. Um yeah, see, this puts me in a bit of a pickle because, uh, you know, if there's any of the, the brands that we work with that I all tell that I love all of their backpacks equally, uh, I'll be called out. Um, <laughs> so maybe I'll go for my uh, my current uh, favorite. Um, I've been using a, uh, a custom pack from uh, Yargear. Uh, that I've oh, okay, yeah. Recently, it's like a little 28-liter uh, pack. Um, I don't know if it has like a specific name or not, but uh, I'd go with custom pack from Yargear. I like that. What is your favorite tent right now? Um, I've been using the uh, uh, the one by Gossamer Gear for a while. Ah, you know, I've been I've been looking at Gossamer Gear tents for a while, and I have been really interested in the DCF the one. Yeah, me too. That's a really interesting tent. So that's a good one. Okay, so your favorite quilt or sleeping bag? Ooh, um, I would have to go with uh, Enlightened Equipment Revelation on that one. I just took one of those out with me a couple weeks ago up to Michigan. It's good. Good choice. Good choice. Uh, puffy jacket. 
Ooh. Um, you know, uh, the Enlightened Equipment Torrid. I've been uh, using the, the pullover a lot recently. Um, so I would have to go with that. Uh, though hey. I've really been using a, um, what is that company? Dark Peak. Um, I think that's it. Company out of the UK. They've got okay. like a, a slightly more like winter puffy that I really like too. But I think Ooh. I'd go with Torrid. Remember that. We may talk about that later. And the very last thing, socks. What are your favorite socks on the trail? Ooh, this might be, uh, uh, yeah, darn tough. Uh, they're pretty much what's always on my feet. I really like Cloudline socks too, but I think, uh, 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 sorry if Cloudline's listening, um, uh, darn tough seem to always be the, the socks that I go for. Perfect. Well, we'll let Jeremiah know if he's, he's not even looking at the camera right now. There we <laughs> go. There we go. Uh, the moment I go to give him the thumbs up, he turned his head sideways, which is really funny. So, Jeremiah, you ready, man? I already feel like a loser. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, Jeremiah, what is your favorite backpack? I don't know if I have a favorite, but right now I have been slaying it with Chicken Trampers modded 45 liter backpack. Mm -hmm. Ah, yeah, that's a good one, man. That's a really good one. Uh, let me ask you, what is your favorite tent? Wow. Well, I don't have a favorite, but the one I've been using, I've been using two. Can I do two? Nope. All right, I'm going to do two. The <laughs> Lunar Solo and the Tri-Arch by North Face. So a one-person and a three-person, depending on if I'm solo or if oh, my wife just is talking about If it's just you. Just me. Okay. Yeah. So the Lunar yeah. Solo by Six Moon Designs? Yes. That's a good one, man. That's actually a really good one. Uh, even even Lloyd agrees with that. Um, so what is your favorite quilt or sleeping bag right now? Uh, my favorite sleeping bag at the moment is... Look at that. My favorite backpack is Gonex. <laughs> You're funny, Sean. Lloyd, we're going to see you in all that. So sorry about that. Um, okay, so what is, your favorite, what is your favorite sleeping bag or quilt? My my favorite sleeping bag at the moment is my uh, Nemo Disco 15 degree, my tried and true. Nice. Uh, okay, what is your favorite puffy jacket? Uh, I guess, depending on weather, maybe the Ghost Whisperer. Mountain still, Hardware? Mm -hmm. Yeah, still not super. I want it to be a little warmer, but what what can you get for Half a pound, man. That's a really lot. Mm -hmm. well, that's the truth. And finally, Jeremiah, socks. What's my favorite socks right now? Favorite socks right now. On my trip tomorrow, I'm going to wear the Njinji ones. But it's just because when I get to camp, I want to wear flip-flops, and they go perfect with flip-flops. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, they you do. don't get the Ninja Turtle going if you wear the Njinji. So we going with Njinji? We'll go with Njinji. Nice. That's a man after my own heart right there because that's <laughs> – <laughs> my socks are the only things that don't make me blister, man. Everything else screws my feet up. All right, let's talk about these answers for a second. So Lloyd had a deep cut uh, cottage brand for his uh, for his backpack. And Jeremiah, you had mm -hmm. a deep cut cottage brand for your backpack as well. We have the Yar Gear 28 liter. Did you hear that, Jeremiah? 28 liter. What is that, your day pack? Is that what you use for your day pack? Uh, it's usually what I use for like three-day trips. Three-day trips with a 28-liter, man. Wait a minute. What kind of temps are we talking here? Lloyd is a wizard. Uh, I would bring that, I don't know, like anything that's not below 40. Oh, my God. So tomorrow I'm headed out, and I, I, I'm taking the Shadow Light, which is a 45-liter sure. by Outdoor Vitals, mm -hmm. and with water, a couple liters of water, a day's worth of food, and... The temp is supposed to be not below 65, unfortunately. Hopefully it is. It weighs 22 pounds. Okay. And I got to tell you, that is ultra light. Uh -huh. Tell him, John. <laughs> tell him. John, tell your, him. Your weight is almost as many liters as he carries. <laughs> I want you to think about that for a second. Uh, I feel no, bad about uh, myself. It's uh, crazy. Um, on my recent uh, trip on the Spear Hiking Trail, I did take the Chicken Tramper 35 and uh, really loved it. It was That's like a good pack, man. It's it's great. I I loved it. the The mix of it being having a a, a framed structure plus the, the feature set, um, 
I think it's about as like light and comfy as it gets. Yeah, just under two pounds. Like, and I think the thirty-five is like closer to a pound and a half. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so, I don't exact on it, but I, I, I loved it. It was a great pack for for what I was doing. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Midwest backpacker wanted to put up here favorite quilt. That ugly one behind you. Oh, that's not ugly, bro. That's my <laughs> wife's. He's making fun of your wife's gear, man. Both of those. Both. The, <laughs> one of them's the that one's UGQ, and then the other one's a sleeping bag. But it's Kelty. Kelty. Nice. Yeah. So then we went with the favorite tent. We have uh, Lloyd is the Gossamer Gear, the one. And Jeremiah, you've got the Six Moon Designs Lunar Solo. You both went Cottage Company on that, which is cool. Yeah. That's awesome. This is where it goes off the rails for Jeremiah a little bit. Uh, uh, quilt or sleeping bag? We got the Enlightened Equipment Revelation Quilt, which is it a 20 degree? Yeah, 20 degree. That's what I've got. See, yeah. this is how I knew that Lloyd was going to be a good guest because I knew he had fantastic taste <laughs> and he was just, he was a hyper pro backpacker. So that's fantastic. Oh, and look at this. Doc is giving you the stuff right now, dude. See, I told you he's claiming it's his wife's. LOL. We know better. <laughs> uh, hey, I would rock that pattern, that Paisley. I think that's awesome. Yeah. For everybody who's on the podcast right now, not watching this live, um, uh, Jeremiah has this quilt behind him that is pink, purple, and baby blue paisley. <laughs> yeah. That is like not exaggerating. It is, and it's all, it's every bit of paisley. I mean, there's all so much it. paisley. Like, it looks, it literally looks like it was attacked by pink, purple, and blue amoebas, like everywhere, <laughs> all over it. It's, it's crazy. It's like, Bridget uh, loves it, man. That's, that's custom UGQ right there. That's beautiful. There's definitely, so anyways, so then Jeremiah. On the quilt, you did not go the the realm of the cottage companies. You actually went with the Nemo Disco 15. That's because I haven't bought a uh, cottage company quilt. Mm. It's in the works. It's in the Every, works. Everybody has the everybody has an excuse. Okay, so the next one is the puffy jacket. <laughs> um, the next one is the puffy jacket, and Lloyd mentioned the enlightened equipment torrid pullover. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of that, man. I actually Okay, so funny story about the Enlightened Equipment Torrid Pullover. I, I ordered one, right? Or I, I was getting one sent to me, and um, I told him I needed a double XL. You know what the problem with that is, Jeremiah? You're cutting weight, bro. I lost almost 60 pounds. That thing, I could put three puffy jackets <laughs> on me and wear that thing. Like, it was so funny. It was so funny. I put it on my daughter. And I actually have a video of her online dancing around in this jacket that awesome. just it it comes like an inch from the floor when she wears it. And she just looks like a giant snowman, like like a cobalt <laughs> snowman. Just and she, for some reason, she's she's singing yo ho ho. <laughs> I don't know. But I got to uh, say, bro, I, I saw I mean, I don't I don't think I've seen any videos yet, but you went to Pictured Rocks, which hopefully we'll talk about next week. Some. Yeah. And. I, I saw some Instagram stories of you out there or yeah. just some Instagram posts. You're looking great, man. Oh, awesome. keep up the good work. You're my, you're a sweetheart. Yeah, um, but, uh, no, that, so the, the enlightened equipment tour at pullover, awesome jacket. And, uh, it's actually in my video this coming Thursday. If people want to see what it looks like, it's a, it's a pretty sweet jacket, big old kangaroo pocket in the front. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, Jeremiah, you said the mountain hardware ghost whisperer once again, Mm. you're not cottage enough man i feel like that's that's like a classic matchup though i feel like it is versus torrid is like a that's like a heavyweight well an ultralight showdown i guess not a heavyweight the exact opposite of that (laughs) but you get the point (laughs) yeah well and uh not only that but like uh it's the battle between apex insulation and down insulation so it's synthetic versus natural you know so it's like Mm -hmm. It's it's a good battle. It's a really good battle. So this last one, uh, it's hard to go cottage on socks because there aren't a lot, a ton of of cottage sock companies. And uh, well, thank you, Karen. She apparently I look good. I will take it. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't hear that often, Jeremiah. It's not often someone says I look good. So I, I uh, don't be I'm getting cool a big head on me. I can't get a big head on you, dude. I hear. You should just read my YouTube comments. Okay, so <laughs> for the socks, uh, Lloyd went with darn tough socks, which is pretty much the standard for most mm-hmm. people. 
And with good reason, they've been around for a long time, and the lifetime warranty is just mm-hmm. stupid good. So darn tough socks for him. And Jeremiah, you went with the Njinji's. And uh, not going to lie, man, I love me some Njinji socks. Love the Njinji socks. I think they're so, pretty good. Hunter, yeah. we had him on recently, and he hikes in Njinji and sandals. I guess that's the combo that you have to go with the sandals, either that or sockless. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I actually rubbed, I rubbed a hole in the toe of one of my Njinjis last week. Oh, uh, you, we should probably tell for people that have never heard of Njinji, what like what does that even matter? They are toe socks, so they're goofy looking, and they feel weird the first time you put them on. Just once you get past that, you're good, but you got to get there first. <laughs> you know, it's like. It's like you got to get past the weird looks. But I actually rubbed a hole in the big toe of my Gingy sock because we were hiking on a beach and sand kept getting down into my shoe and it oh. made its way to the front of my shoe every time and just rubbed that big toe until it actually rubbed a hole in my sock. Oh. So, how many, hey guys, how many pairs of socks do you all bring on single night trips, counting camp socks? Single night trips? One, one do, night. Do, okay, are there water crossings? Either way, I still I'm one. Yeah, I'm one. Yeah, just one. You wear the same ones out the next day. Yeah, yeah. it's not worth what the about, extra weight. What about your camp socks? I'm a I'm I'm a standard one pair of socks unless we're talking over a week. Wait huh. a second. <laughs> Wait. I mean, okay, that's not true. I bring I I have sleeping booties that I use like like goose feet gear, uh, like down booties that I sleep in. But yeah, same hiking yeah. socks. Goose feet gear is the only um, pair that I could find that could make them in my size. I wear like size 15, uh-huh. like just regular shoes. And I had to message them privately and be like, hey, can y'all make this? They're like, yeah, no problem. I'm really wanting to try them out, but I haven't pulled the trigger. You know, now we're at the time of recording this. It's been like 85 degrees every day in Kentucky. Right. It's Why been warm, really hot. Yeah, so I don't really need the down booties a whole lot. I just take like the synthetic wool blend. That's fair. You, re- you love them? Uh, I really do. Uh, you know, they like I let my my feet air out a little bit after a day of hiking, and then uh, as soon as I'm getting into the tent, stick them on, and yeah, no complaints. Um, my feet like pretty much never get cold, and uh, I did use uh, in Gingy socks for the first time uh, on on my uh, my last trip, and I, I had to say I was like highly step skeptical of uh, of toe socks, but um, <laughs> I feel like the everyone raving about how they're they're great against blisters, and uh, they were pretty great. You definitely have to just kind of get used to like putting your toes into little toe holes, uh, which is like a I don't know. Feels kind of invasive, but uh, <laughs> yeah, used to it. It, feels, it feels kind of wrong, but at the same time, it feels kind of right. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's John, just no other way to put it. John, what's your technique whenever you take off the Njinji socks? Like mine are always like I'm slipping them off, and then the toes are like inverted. Do you I, do that? I, I give a tug on each toe and then pull them all at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the secret, man. That's a secret. It's because I'm almost 50. So, like, I have all these amazing <laughs> secrets to, like, backpacking that I want to share with the world. I do full hand in. What do you do? I do full, like, you know, it, it kind of flips in. I don't, Lloyd, I don't know if this do is your the hands case been you. smell like your feet? Uh, probably. But <laughs> oh. I, I take some biodegradable soap or some Germex, you know? Okay. Still eat with those hands, but you got to clean them up. I'll sick. I, I'll, like, it, it peels off, right? And then the last thing's your your toes, and it's like flipped inside out. I do full hand in all the way, poke all the toes out. Well, technically, I guess only four at once, but that's a good technique, bro. I mean, I guess, or you could do what I do, and you don't have to go to all that work. That's what I'm saying. You have a good technique. I'm saying that that yours is a good technique. Oh well, thank you. I thought you were saying yours was the technique I should do. I'm just here to sing your praises, John. Dude, I am so thankful because it's about time. It's a video that uh, you all do on like the the best ways to take off in gingy socks. The best ways to tell me that I'm right. That's the video we should do. Like, (laughs) no, I like his video idea. That's a good (laughs) YouTube has YouTube. Everything is going toward TikTok, right? Like our attention span in and modern age is 
snap of the finger. So everything's like TikTok style, 60 seconds or less. And YouTube, that's pretty smart, them introducing shorts. And that would make a good shorts video. Yeah, it would. That would. Hashtag short. Uh, I don't well, know. Lloyd, I have a question for you. Yeah, you bet. 28 liter backpack. I'm assuming your your base weight is under 10 pounds. Yeah, it's probably uh, a, a safety, safe uh, guess. Yeah, so what got you started doing the ultralight thing? Because that's not something you start off with. That's something that become that kind of happens over time. So what? Yeah. What got you going ultralight? Uh, I think kind of just like the a little bit of the gamesmanship of it, and kind of the the sport of trying to figure it out. Um, I've always kind of liked the idea of of trying to to travel minimalistly through the places that I that I uh, that I experience. But I, I I got my start in uh, in paddle sports in um, in sea kayaking. Uh, guiding trips on Lake Superior and up in the inside passage of Alaska and uh, kayaking is like a very different uh, relationship with one's gear. Um, I mean, it's not nearly as uh, it's, it's more of like a space thing than a weight thing, which sometimes can be the same, but mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, it's definitely not quite as, as minimalist. Um, and uh, I kind of like uh, found the the spatial constraints of kayaks being nice for organization. Everything's in like a nice dry bag. Uh, everything kind of has it's like you're used to like stuffing stuff in the exact same spots. Um, and I had done a lot of canoeing, which was kind of kind of kind of similar in terms of compartmentalizing things. And I, I got to backpacking and kind of just found that uh, that like that system just required you to carry a lot and it was like too much effort and the organization of it was difficult. Uh, and I found myself kind of just like bailing on the whole thing and just being like, what, <laughs> what can I get rid of so that my organization is just as simple as possible. And for me, that was just like not bringing a lot of things. Like I didn't have a, there weren't a lot of things for me to lose if I just ditched a lot of uh, uh, like kind of like more like luxury item type things. Um, and I really liked the lack of decision making that comes with uh, with ultralight backpacking. I found it like incredibly uh, freeing to be like, I, I have a pair of socks and like, uh, you know, I, I, I don't have, um, I don't really have anything to do when I to get to camp at night. Like I just kind of like go to bed at 830 and that's great. Uh, uh, and that's, that's totally fine. I might like sit out and like, look at stuff for a little bit, but like, I didn't really bring anything to do. And that's okay. Like my, my brain kind of needs a refresh anyway. Um, so I think it, it was kind of this combination of kind of liking the, the uh, kind of simplistic idea of just traveling with what you need, plus kind of a little bit of the gamification of, uh, yeah, experimenting with new and different gear. I think especially with, with cottage makers, there's like a really cool connection between you and your gear. Like I, I love the fact that like, I, I know the people who made my my gear. That's like such a cool thing to be like, I, I yeah. think my experience is unique and I'm bringing like a bunch of friends along with me on this trip. Like you're bringing a chicken tramper pack and you're like, oh yeah, like I know those dudes, that's great. And like, you know, uh, uh, knowing that like the, everything from like the uh, the wallet that I've got in my pocket to like the, the, the water bottle pouch that I'm bringing, like all of those things from the quilt that I've got, like I, I know the makers behind that and like, I, I feel like they made that stuff like, like for me, um, which, you know, isn't necessarily the case unless it like was super custom, which most of my stuff isn't at this point. But uh, that's like a, a really neat thing, especially when you're kind of, uh, you know, I feel like trips are these fairly like um, uh, existential introverted things for me, uh, escaping uh, some um, kind of like uh, letting myself mentally unplug. And kind of being surrounded by the the energy of of, of uh, makers that that create cool stuff is like a pretty cool experience. Um, yeah, and uh, that's like a, a neat way to interact with the community that I think is really unique within the, within the outdoor community and especially within the cottage community. Is I, I don't know and I can't speak for for all industries, but there's like a really human relationship connection between yourself and your gear within this space. And like some people can say that that's just like pure. Uh, consumerism, but I, I don't. I don't think that it's like quite the same. Like it, it absolutely can be if you're just accumulating gear for the sake of accumulating gear. But I think there's something like a little bit more genuine and authentic to it that uh, that seems important to me. That's kind of baked into that ultralight ethos. So here's a question for. This is a really good question. Somebody came up. Even with weight down, how do you keep volume that low? 
think that's a fantastic question. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I free pack everything that helps. Uh, like I don't, uh, I have a pack liner and everything just goes in there. There's no real like stuff sacks or dry bags that really kind of find their way into existence. Um, I think like, uh, I don't know. There's just like a lot of things that, uh, that I think if you really look critically at what you're bringing, aren't necessarily, uh, like that important, um, depending on what you're doing, of course. Like, I think there are certain places and certain situations where you're bringing stuff that, like, you absolutely need all the things that you're bringing. Like, I'm not someone that skimps on bringing water. Like, uh, I feel like when people first learn about ultralight, they're like, water weighs so much. Like, I can just carry, like, a half liter of water and I'll be fine. Uh, I think that's, you know, generally a pretty bad idea unless you're, (laughs) you know, somewhere that you know has really known water supplies, like, during the spring and you're just constantly surrounded by it. But even that, I wouldn't really feel comfortable uh, doing that. But, uh, yeah, I think there's just, like, generally, like, um, and I, and I think ultralight kind of depends on, on, on what you're kind of looking to do. Like, uh, I know that there are kind of, uh, strict requirements for what ultralight is based on base weight. But I think that like you, you can do that if, if that's what, how you want to interact with what ultralight is. But I think like, it's, it's more useful as a mentality of trying to think like, what, what is the most simplistic style of, of backpacking that you feel comfortable with and that like feels good for what you're doing. Um, and I think that that kind of, uh, that kind of mentality, if that supports kind of more academic conversations around, you know, sub 10 pound base weights, that's great. I think that if it, uh, if it gets into, uh, realms of like weight shaming, people bringing stuff that they want to bring, I think that's when it leaves the academic and kind of like moves into some realm that's, uh, less constructive than it is positive. Um, yeah, but, yeah. So, so here's a question for you. Here's a question for you. Are you about miles or are you about getting to camp at night? Uh, good question. Uh, it depends if I'm by myself or not. Um, if I'm by myself, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty miles focused. Uh, I, I kind of like, if my legs are moving, my brain is, is kind of, uh, in like a more content space. I'm not someone who's really good at kind of sitting and doing nothing. So like the active process of, of moving is kind of meditative for me. Um, so yeah, if I'm by myself, I'm, I'm going to hike, uh, until I want to, until I'm hungry and want to stop and, and eat and then go to sleep. Like usually my like time from getting into camp to being asleep is probably an hour. Um, because, uh, I don't know, like if I'm by myself, there's not like much to do and I kind of, I kind of like to sleep and I really like to hike. So (laughs) I'll like focus on those two things. Um, but if I'm like with a, with a group of people, like, especially being here in Minnesota, there's, uh, you know, I go up to the boundary waters a lot and we'll do like canoeing trips and such with friends. And if I'm doing that, like, yeah, it's definitely fun to have some like social time, uh, to be able to like enjoy the presence of other people while you're not having to like, you know, worry about, uh, you know, like, uh, pushing certain miles or, or hitting certain benchmarks or whatever. Um, so I think it kind of like just depends on what kind of trip I'm doing, but typically if it's just me, I'm, I'm like fairly on trail moving forward. Well, I have, I have some, I have a a topic that I'd like to discuss with you guys. And it's a little bit different than what we were just talking about, but I think with Lloyd's background, we can maybe figure this out. Something that you touched on a little bit. It's quite decisive in or divisive rather in the backpacking world is like, the, the shaming when it comes to the cottage versus, like, a, a big business. Mm-hmm. I I want to know a few things. One, I'd like to talk about at what point do you consider your business no longer a cottage business? Because at the end of the day, you have to make money to live. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're there's a lot of good things from coming that comes from expanding a business like providing jobs, stimulating the economy, mm-hmm. giving people more gear, et cetera, et cetera. And, and secondly, why, why is it so, why does it, why is it such a dividing thing in the backpacking world on the, Hey, this, this is by UGQ. 
but this is by Kelty, and that's mass-produced and blah, blah, blah. So what do you guys think about that? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think you're, you're spot on. I think uh, I think we're definitely in an, kind of an, an age that uh, people, uh, I think, I mean, maybe this has always been the case, but it feels particularly accentuated now where people like really like to support brands that they feel connection and community with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's easier to do with smaller makers that you are able to follow. Like think about like uh, Dandy Packs, like that dude started just make, making packs and selling them on Instagram. And so, you know, like you feel like you know that guy, like, like when you, you know, send him an email to get an, an order in, like, you feel like someone's making something for you. And I think like that, like search for like community and, 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 and belonging is something like, I think that's why people go outside to begin with is so that they can like feel connected to something that's, that's relevant and important to them. And I think that we do that sometimes within the gear and then it's easier to feel connected. Like it's easier, you know, for me to, to feel connected to, to both of you. Cause I'm sitting here, you know, talking to you than uh, you know, for me to uh, sit and, uh, uh, feel connected to some some podcasters that I've I've only listened to, uh, you know, and they interview a bunch of people that I've never heard of. Like, I mean, that's a terrible example, but uh, you get you get the point. Like, I, I don't know anyone in Kelty. Like, there's nothing wrong with Kelty. Like, but if I am looking for a little bit more of an interaction in terms of in terms of my gear, I think that is something a reason why people do that, and a reason why people. Um, at times hesitate to buy things from larger brands. But I think ultimately, like there are a lot of, I'd say, I mean, that like divide between like, what is a cottage brand and what isn't a cottage brand, mm-hmm. I think is challenging because there's a lot of companies like, uh, I mean, is like Z-Packs a cottage brand? Like, I don't know. Like, like well, is- Can we define well, cottage brand? What do you say? Can we define cottage? Like, what kind of parameters do you put around making something a cottage brand? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's all kind of arbitrary. Uh, I think for someone, someone who has never really doesn't have any familiarity with the cottage industry, uh-huh. their definition of what is cottage is wildly different than what mine mine might be. Yeah, like, I like. I want to. I want to put one of the comments up here. I love this comment. Uh, I like supporting cottage companies because I'm helping someone realize their dream of owning their own business. That's great, Greg. Um, and and I think this this may just be me on this one, but I think that's a lot of it with the cottage companies, because you know if you get a backpack from ULA or you get a backpack from Chicken Tramper, I've got both. Both are fantastic backpacks. Uh, there are things I would change on each of them, but I love the fact that buying this backpack from two guys in Michigan who are working out of a dining room, mm-hmm. you know, that I get to help them push that dream of having a business forward. It's just really cool to be able to just say, I got to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when I first got into to backpacking, I got on backpacking gear flea market on Facebook and uh, I'd gotten my revelation quilt from enlightened equipment and actually it was the mass drop version. So mm-hmm. I'm not legitimately, I mean, I'm kind of like, pseudo cottage you know what i mean but uh but i i i got that and i needed a i wanted a stuff sack for it because at the time i just wanted stuff sacks you know i thought that's what you're supposed to do and i think i was watching a lot of darwin movies so basically if darwin said it it was the gospel truth and i'm doing it (laughs) and so he had a dyneema stuff sack i was getting a dyneema stuff sack and that's how it is and so uh, i just got on there and asked if anybody was selling any and i found a guy who just made him himself still have that same stuff sack and it's one of two that I use and it's for my clothes. And, uh, I've got that now and that's my clothing bag and it's, uh, it's still holding up and it's still doing great. And I got it from some guy. Oh my gosh. I can't remember his name. Same thing. I've got a, uh, a down beanie that this lady made. I, I, to this day, I couldn't tell you what her name is. She was just a lady who was on backpacking gear flea market and made down beanies and I wanted one. So she made me one and uh, bought it from her, you know? And so I, I really, I really like the opportunity to uh, support these people as, as they're trying to like get their feet in the door. Now at the same time, I have no problem buying stuff from outdoor research. As a matter of fact, I'm not even gonna lie. I'm a little bit of an outdoor research Homer when it comes to, like clothes, 
uh, like this last trip I went on, and this is, I'm not even kidding, I had a hat that was outdoor research. My hoodie was an outdoor research hoodie. My pants were outdoor research pants. I wear sungloves because I have issues with my hands, so I wear sungloves. So they were outdoor research, and I had an outdoor research puffy jacket. So I do love cottage brands, but there are some things too, though, that I like from Big Box. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I don't think either one is better than the other. I just think it's what are you trying to get out of your gear and what are you, uh, what is it you're wanting to support? Like it may, sometimes you may just want to support the industry by buying backpacking gear. And sometimes you may want to support local companies for that. But Mm -hmm. the irony, it's just (laughs) ironic to me. Like for instance, if I started a a company and I aspired to make a living from it, the pizza ninja (laughs) cracks me up. Commented on the last video I made about luxury gear and, and yeah. was pretty much asking why I don't bring a pizza stone. Yeah, and, and the, the uh, for everybody on the podcast right now, uh, I'll wear anything with a pizza pattern. That's what the pizza ninja just told us. <laughs> so the so if I'm, you know, I'm not all about the money, but like I said before, you have to have money to support your passion, or otherwise it's really hard to make it. You have to have at least enough to make ends meet. But I feel like if you start a cottage company, I don't know what the statistics would say, but a large number of them aspire to be a Kelty or an Osprey or something. So I love, I absolutely love cottage gear, and I use it all the time. At the same time, let me just put the disclaimer, it is hard. It's a little bit hypocritical to say, you know, this cottage company is great, blah, blah, blah. I love it because it's cottage company. When in 10 years, they could be a multi-million dollar company that has a warehouse and they are mass producing. You, you see what I'm saying? What a cool but, way to be able to say, like, then I got to be a part of that. Like, I helped support yeah. that brand in that growth. And, like, we talk about that all the time at Garage Grown Gear. Like, our best ambitions for all of our brands that we work with is that they become so huge that like garage grown gear is like useless to them as a platform. Like I would love for that to be the case with our brands. I'd love for chicken tramper to be so big that they're like, you know, garage grown gear. We can't even like deal with you. Our ambitions are, you know, too far beyond like what you guys have going on. Um, But like, we also talk about a a lot about this, like the biggest inhibitor for small brands is like a combination of, uh, money connections and time and like most small brands don't stop being in existence because they aren't like somewhat profitable it's because they just take too long to materialize into the thing that they were hoping for like it's like a lot of these small small cottage brands that exist it's just like a attrition like they do this they do this grind for years kind of building their their platform like fighting tooth and nail for it uh, to be able to to be able to add that extra sewer to be able to help out with their stuff, but you know they're five years into it and they're like, man, this is just like just had a kid and like this is just you know too hard. Uh, I didn't just have a kid, but I was you know speaking uh, as yeah. brand. But, you know sure. things in life come up and it's it's just uh it's challenging. Um, and a lot of cottage brands are you know a lot of the companies that we work with, Garage Grown Gear, have other jobs. You know they haven't they haven't committed to. Uh, to, to this thing full time, you know, they're, they're sewing in their basements on the weekends and, uh, you know, filling their, their orders at like, you know, getting order notifications at like 1 PM saying that like, uh, or like 1 AM saying that things have shipped, um, you know, because they're, uh, they're like really, really grinding to be able to do stuff. So I think it's kind of just like you insert yourself into part of that narrative when you're ordering from those small brands and like, uh, I think part of the reason why there is a little bit of antagonism between the two is partially because I think there is a sentiment within specifically within the ultralight area of saying that these larger brands don't quite understand what ultralight backpacking is trying to do or, or what or aren't quite designing products to meet, to meet the specific needs. And I think there's a little bit of, um, a little bit of a clash in the sense that I think, uh, or at least I felt this, that I think a lot of bigger brands wait for the trends of the ultralight industry to become mainstream enough that they can sweep up uh, the ideas that are developing and the innovation that's happening in cottage industry and suddenly bring it to the mainstream like it was their idea. Uh, That I think does create a little bit more of that antagonism of feeling like, 
you're suddenly like using smaller brands as a developmental system for for bigger brands. Um, and, uh, you know, like there's been a lot of bigger companies that have got into quilts and like, that's fine. But like quilts is something, quilts are something that have very solidly been in a, in a cottage space for a long time. You know, frameless packs, like you're seeing larger brands move into the world of frameless packs. Again, none of these things are owned by the cottage industry or owned by ultralight. There's nothing that says that any of these brands can't do that. But there definitely is some like uh, mining that happens of, of some innovation between that. Uh, and I think that that does create a little bit of, of, of rub uh, between companies at times. But I think just not liking something because it is a big brand is like a is a silly, silly notion, because as you said, like, it's just a small brand that's been successful. Uh, it's more yeah. like how they became successful or like why they became successful or like what their business practices are. Um, because well, you I was going to say, I just I just got online while we were sitting here talking and I was looking at Nemo and Big Agnes. Mm-hmm. Both companies are 20 years or less, you know, and. So, I mean, that's, that's really not that long ago for a company like that. And they started out, they were cottage before it was called cottage companies. You know, they were just uh startup companies is probably what it had been called back then. Yeah, absolutely. And so and it's the same know, thing. It's real fresh. I yep. guess that my issue was coming from what I would call uh purist. And then they, they think that there's something wrong with a piece of gear. Like you have a great perspective on it too. I loved everything that you said. They, they have, they think that if I use Osprey, then I'm not the backpacker. They are because they're using trick chicken tramper or insert whatever name you want. And I'm like, okay, well, if I give you five years and that company is mass producing and then these guys are living their dream, that's what we were striving for in the first place. But you're kind of turning your back on them if you say uh, this this company's trash now because they mass produce stuff. As long as it's still quality product, that's the thing. Like you said about the quilts, I mean, I'll, some pieces of gear take a lot of specificity and are custom tailored to you. That was a and, good word, Jeremiah. Oh, thanks, mm-hmm. man. Specificity. <laughs> that's a very good word. That may be the word of the week. but yeah i I think you're uh i appreciate you sharing your perspective on that i really wanted to to get to that during this podcast because i figured that you'd have a really good take on it well i i think it is one of those things that especially i think within the sensationalized world of gear there is some notion that like somehow having a lower base weight like improves your experience with nature which is just like an utterly false assertion uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I think like whatever uh, uh, people in the ultralight s- sphere that have like voices can like dismantle that as a thought because it's absolutely ridiculous. Like I very much enjoy having my gear be as light as possible. However, someone who's hiking with me on the on the trail who has a much heavier pack, like it's, it's not like their experience with what they're doing is different, but it by no means is worse. It's, it's by no means a sign that they are less of a backpacker or, or less of a hiker. It means that they care less about their base weight. But like yeah. doesn't like belittle them to their core. It's well, just I think priorities. I was going to say, I think a lot of times your base weight is, is based on, on what you, what's most important to you on the trail. Because if hiking's more important to you, you're really going to want to go ultra light. But if it's the camping experience, you're probably going to bring a chair. You might bring food that's a little heavier. You you know you might bring a, a saw because you want to make a, a fire. I will tell you point blank: the first two and a half years that I backpacked, I never made one campfire. Hmm. Never made one because it was for me at the time. It was about miles because I was hiking the Sheltoe Trace and I was doing other you know backpacking trips where we wanted to get in. 15 miles minimum during the day. And mm. when you get done at the end of the day, it's like, I don't really want to make a fire. I just kind of want to eat my food and go to bed. You know, it's like, so I think, I think what you value is is going to determine what you bring and will definitely determine your pack weight. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a great company. Here, here's a great question. And I'm curious what your answer is to it. Are there some new cottage companies that are now on your radar that you could tell yeah. us about? Yeah, I mean that's kind of the most fun thing about my job is uh, I kind of just get to like stumble into little 
little brands on Reddit or on Instagram or on Etsy. Uh, and I get to have a lot of conversations with like really new makers. Uh, and so like, you know, uh, and, th and that's been happening for a couple of years now, but like, I, I loved like talking to like Chris at, at light AF, like when he was just first starting off and had no idea what he's doing. And, you know, now light AF is this like, a uh, company that's just absolutely crushing it and they had like 24 week lead times uh like i that's almost unfathomable that that kind of demand would exist um so uh yeah that's definitely the most fun part of garage Girl and gear is kind of finding those companies um recently uh yeah i mentioned dandy packs that's a company that i've uh i, I really like like their packs that they're making um i, I definitely have jumped on the uh the senshi designs bandwagon for, uh, for yeah, that's something I'm in. I wanted to actually ask you about them. Uh -huh. Okay, Jeremiah, they make these really cool, almost like fleece kind of hoodie things. Um, uh -huh. Tell me a little bit about them because I got an email from uh, from you guys that that said something about them. So tell us a little bit about yeah. Senshi Designs, if you don't mind. Uh, they make uh, hoodies out of uh, Polar Tech Alpha, which is like this exceptionally lightweight, like um, very airy, very breathable hoodie. Uh, it, it almost seems kind of counterintuitive because uh, like on its own, either as like a, your base layer or with a shirt underneath, it like lets a ton of air in, uh, which as like an active piece allows you to stay like fairly cool while you're, while you're just in motion. Uh, but if you put like a wind shirt or a, a rain jacket over it, it suddenly becomes an incredibly insulating layer. Um, so it kind of has this like dual existence of uh, both being able to be used as an active performance piece or as an insulating piece when you're when you're not moving or when you're sleeping. And then, I mean, the kicker is that like a you know a medium weighs like three point something ounces. Uh, I mean, it's it's incredibly light. It's it's uh, you know it's it's transparent almost in its lighter lighter weights. Like you can you can definitely see your skin through it. Uh, but it uh, it's this it's this fabric that. Um, you know, is is kind of like I think maturating through the cottage industry of like it truly was like the make your own gear crowd who kind of like willed this into existence, and then Senshi Designs. I mean, they're dropping a hundred hoodies and they're sold out in a minute, uh, like not hyperbole. Like they just can't keep them on the shelves because I think people are fascinated by by what this fabric is, and I think that's just like one of the coolest things about about the cottage industry is that. You know, like this dude, Ryan, was kind of just started doing this in the fall of, of 2020. And, you know, now, six months later, he's selling out drops of 100 hoodies in minutes. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they're a, they're, they're a phenomenon right now. But I think Polar Tech Alpha, similarly to like what, um, I mean, that's not a direct comparison, but to like what DCF was doing five plus years ago is kind of bursting onto the ultralight scene as this kind of like revolutionary thing. I think there's a lot of room for what Polar Tech Alpha can be used for. Um, uh, so I think there's definitely a crowd out there who's like, this is a gimmick. Like, <laughs> why would I, why would I want this thing? And like, I don't know, like it definitely is a piece that requires you to use it with other pieces. Um, but that's kind of what it makes it fun. It's, it's kind of modular and it's interesting. And like my wife says, I look like a Muppet when I wear it because uh, it does look kind of ridiculous. Um, but it's great. And, uh, yeah, you know, who cares when you're on trail? <laughs> I do love that, the in the cottage space, I don't know if it's just my inexperience with being exposed to all different types of gear or if it's true innovation, but that's kind of what I would label it is the innovation that comes about because I think a lot of the cottage companies start because there's an issue that they want solved, whoever the owner of the company is. And they're like, oh, well, I guess I'll just solve it. And then somebody else is like, well, that's a great idea. I have that same right. issue too. Would you sell that? Uh, sure, I guess. Uh -huh. And then all of a sudden you just stumble upon, hey, you know, this is something I'm passionate about. I can do it to my wheelhouse. And you, you've you solved an issue that a lot of other people had. You didn't even know, and now you're making money from it. And then it turns into this big deal. Well, I was going to say that's how UGQ got started was uh, the owner was he was going backpacking and gear was like, heavy and it was expensive. He's like, I can make my own. So he made it, took it out. His friends saw it. We're like, what is that? And so he kind of explained what everything was. And they said, well, can you make that for me? And it just kind of went from there. I mean, you know, 
both Jeremy and I know the the guys at at, at UGQ, and uh, that that's just that's how these companies start. There's a, there's a need, somebody figures out how to fill it, and then you find out a lot of people have that need, and before too long, you're filling it for a lot of people. Yeah, I think that's the best distinction between like uh, I know that we mentioned the term like startup versus cottage. But I think that's like the really big distinction, I think, between the two is like startup implies kind of this like really intentional start of a process. Like maybe you're seeking funding, you're kind of pitching this idea. Kind of like Kickstarter or something like that. Yeah. Whereas like, yeah, cottage companies just kind of stumble into it. They're making something for themselves. They're making something for a friend. And then it kind of just balloons and blossoms and people kind of stumble into it. Like, I can't tell you how many companies that that I talk to that, you know, like wouldn't just wouldn't describe themselves as companies. They're just like a person who makes stuff uh, and happens to have like a brand name. Um, But uh, you know, they have like literally no idea what they're doing. And that's such the fun part of it is that you're so like uninhibited by like what you think the rules are because you know, these aren't people that have traditional backgrounds in sewing or in business or in marketing. It's just this kind of like wild west of like, yep, uh, you know, uh, we're just kind of seeing what happens with this thing that I like. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to put these these particular feature sets on this product because uh, that's like what I want for myself. Other people find it interesting. And then you, you find your, your way into starting a brand. Like that's what happened with ThruPack, like Superior Wilner's Designs, like they hiked the PCT, made their own packs and like, you know, started selling packs with options that they thought were good. And I think like that is at the core of, of cottage brands is that it's, there's not this disconnect between trail and like the design table. It's this like very interchangeable mixing process of the people who are making the gear actively using the gear and really being a part of that community. Uh, And that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty impressive. That really is. Now, there's a conversation going on right now in the comments. There's just a lot of comments. I'm not going to bring them all up, but they, uh, the the topic of alpaca has come up. Um, sure. are, are there any companies that you guys work with that, that deal with alpaca? Or uh, I, I mean, I know of Appalachian Gear, but I didn't know if you guys were working with any companies that are doing that as well. No, uh, we've we've chatted with uh, Appalachian Gear Co. in the past, and you know they just can't keep things in stock for themselves. <laughs> yeah, they got it out for me, Lloyd. They've got it out for me. Yeah. Like they, they play with my emotions, like constantly play with my emotions. They put out these, these, and I, I'm, I've been saying this publicly for a long time because I want them to hear it so they can get me one of these things, but they, they constantly play with my emotions and they put out there that, Hey, we've got new stock and I get on there soon. I mean, the moment I see it and, and it's like, it's all gone. Yeah. Well, then they really played with me last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was. They they say we've got a new drop. All they have is two XL, Lloyd. And what did I just shrink out of? Two XL. Man, a year ago that would have been a fantastic thing. (laughs) But no, Lloyd. What is their deal, man? I'm and and following Walker's world is shoving it in my face right now. I love my (laughs) Appalachian gear hoodie. Well, good for you. (laughs) (laughs) They are pretty great. yeah, I mean, I, I will. I want one so bad, but I can't get there quick enough. They really do sell out fast. Mm-hmm. It's a real thing. I think that's kind of the fun of the cottage industry too, is that there's like a little bit of like, I don't know, weird demand issues with it that happen when like people don't have things totally figured out. Like I think Appalachian Gearco has like things mostly figured out. But it's it's not like Mountain Hardware is like running out of stuff every day, you know. Right, right. There's like a little bit of like fun in the process of like this might just be available in this one color for like a minute, and then we're never going to have that color again. Or uh, you know, like we just like had a bunch of beanies because we like had scrap fabric, so this is like a thing that you can buy if you want. Uh, yeah, the kind of like unknown uncertainty kind of makes it. You kind of feel like you have to pay attention to it because you could you could miss out on something. Uh, even if you click on it immediately after the email, there's still a chance that you won't get it. And I never do, Lloyd. <laughs> I never do. Hey, I, Lloyd. I, I, it just it breaks my heart. I have. I, uh, say I have one more question for you. Yeah. I, I saw the audience asking about this in the comments, and uh, unfortunately, I think the podcast is known for it. So we'll make this a quickie. It has to happen. This does have to happen. <laughs> So for okay. all of you who've been asking, in three, two, one, go, Jeremiah. 
So, Poop, <laughs> are you a bidet guy? Are you a toilet paper solo? Like biodegradable baby wipes? Mm-hmm. Like what? what uh, or rock sticks and twigs. Uh, yeah. I'm a leaf guy. Uh, uh, I'm a leaf guy. Um, I mean, but like I'm also like whatever's lying around guy. Like if there's a smooth rock that's next to my leaf, like I'm going to go with that too. Um, and if, in a, if, in, if I'm in a spot with latrine, like I'm going to bring toilet paper. Uh, but I haven't really, uh, I haven't really committed to the bidet. Uh, I know that that is like an ever increasingly popular thing. Uh, I haven't really figured that out for myself yet. Um, Lloyd, have I, you, have you ever tried a poop hammock? I have not even sure if I know what that is. Lloyd, <laughs> we there. might have garage grown gears next yeah. <laughs> the porta pretty. This is a real <laughs> item. Is this like the tent thing that you put up around yourself? No, no. it's literally a small hammock with a hole in it. Oh, here we go. <laughs> we can have we, we got we have to wrap up the show, but I'll tell you about I'll tell you about the poop hammock real quick. <laughs> poop talk, yeah. This see, see, yes. So um content the people want. <laughs> forgive me if you yeah it's what the people want i don't know why. like we have one guy at the beginning of every single show it it's already we can't get back to it but he just types in his first words are poop 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 so yeah. it, it has to come out at some point so sometimes they do an over under bet on how long it's going to take to talk about poop. <laughs> i don't think we've ever gone a solid hour without it so no so if you said an hour not sure <laughs> so i have a buddy named thomas that lives up in michigan he actually works for ugq now and uh, I met him at, at the hammock hang up there. And he basically, we hooked up and um, we talked a bunch and he made me a custom backpack and he gave me a backpack and I was that's super cool. And he's like, hey man, I'm thinking about making these uh, these poop hammocks. It's basically like uh, the hammock. You've seen the seat hammocks? Yeah. you seen those? Okay, well this is a seat hammock, but it's got a hole to poop through. So <laughs> he made it. The website's called the dot com, and uh, I'll have to check it out. <laughs> yeah, it was innovation in this industry. I'm telling you, man. I'm I'm going on a trip tomorrow. I'm not. This is the first trip that I haven't taken it on in months, and it's just because I'm trying to shed weight. You know, 22 pounds. That was hard to get down to for me. Uh-huh. So I had to leave some sacrifices behind. It's going to be the old squat technique on this <laughs> one, but. Yeah, we got to the poop. Yeah, we ha- it had to come up, but just so you can see, there is the Porta Privy uh, site right there. Um, well, I promise- or I'm going afterwards. Right yeah. there it is, man. It's a yeah. one of those products that you can look at and immediately understand what it is. Yes, <laughs> like there's not a lot of ambiguity to what that is. Yeah, there's Thomas. See, yeah, that's Thomas right there. That's the guy that Uh-oh. makes the Porta Privy. Yeah, he's he's actually using him. it right there in that picture. <laughs> He is not. That is not what's happening. I, for all you people online, no, that is not what's happening right now. So, um, but th- th- Lloyd, <laughs> okay, we got that out of the way. But why don't you? Uh, it, we, it, we're past an hour now. But um, why don't you share with everybody just the best ways to uh, find stuff about you, find stuff about Garage Grown Gear? Um, hopefully, yeah. we can get a lot of people on there looking at gear. So, uh, why don't you just give everybody the info? Sure thing. Yeah. Uh, Um, uh, you can follow us on Instagram. We're pretty active on there. Uh, we kind of have our, our store side of things where we've got about, uh, close to a hundred different small brands that we, that we sell products from. Uh, and then we're always putting out, uh, you know, three, four articles a week kind of on our content side of things, like either telling the story of, uh, of different brands, reviewing gear, kind of general interest outdoorsy stuff, but we're pretty active on social media as well. Uh, got a, a big sale. We were hosting this small business sale. We're like about 50 different companies that have been running sales for the last week, kind of in um, solidarity and support of small brands. So uh, yeah, tomorrow's last day of the sale. So if people are looking to get stuff prior to that ending, uh, now would be an apt time, but uh yeah, and if you just like want to discover a bunch of new companies that you might not be familiar with, uh, Garage Grown Gear is a great place to be able to do that. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on tonight, man. If you don't yeah. mind, stick around. Don't disappear. Like We're going to put you back in that green room, but don't go anywhere because we definitely like talk to you a little bit more after this. But uh, thank you for being on tonight. Jeremiah, you have anything else for, for Lloyd? Lloyd, 
I got to say, I like what y'all are doing. And it was a great idea creating a platform for the, the cottage companies and, and giving them a voice and a way to get their products out there. Good Thanks. stuff, man. Yep. Thanks, Lloyd. We'll, we'll talk to you later, man. Sounds good. Okay, so I'm going to be honest, dude. I have bought a lot of stuff from Garage Grown Gear. I, I actually be but, honest. I think have, that huh? he is our first guest that's a, a rock pooper. Yeah, well, we had Skirka on. Oh, yeah, he does it too? Skirka does it too. So really, that means that Lloyd is on the level of Andrew Skirka. It basically the same, like, if you yeah. could rank backpackers. Basically I'll bet he's same. way more ultra light than Andrew Skirka. I don't know. We should have a face-off. He might be more professional of a backpacker than Skirka. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> so you you bought quite a bit through Garage Grown Gear. Yeah, I have. And they, they really do have, have great, great gear. I mean, just a lot of cool companies. Uh, that's honestly how I find out about a lot of companies. I just go on their website, and, and I'm just curious. I like finding new companies and kind of reading up on them and seeing what they're about and uh, – Garage Grown Gear has been great for that. So I've, I've really enjoyed, uh, I enjoy the, I enjoy the whole thing. So, but we need to let everybody know about next week because next week is a big, big week. Yes. The giveaway begins. We are, yes. we're doing a, a two piece here. So if you're somebody that likes to enjoy the live streams while they're live, next week is going to be the last one for the summer. And we're going to cap it off by, Basically just saying thank you, and we we partner with a number of companies and are going to give away some free stuff. There's no catch, you know? Nope. We're, we just it's going to be thanks. a lot of fun. And and Ben McMillan from Hilltop Packs is going to be doing one of the giveaways, and Ben is actually going to be dropping news that is changing the face of Hilltop Packs, quite literally. I mean, nobody's going to see this one coming. I'm excited. Nobody's going to see it coming. So, and, so and we get to be the ones that announce it next week. You know, if you're somebody that watches the live stream, make sure you're here. It'll be as always, eight thirty p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live on the. But it will be on Tuesday night instead of Monday night. Yes, it will be on Tuesday. Yeah, with yeah. Uh, Memorial Day happening, uh, we're not going to do it on Memorial Day because we want to go do Memorial Day stuff with our families. So we're not going to be doing a, a live stream that night. But we will be back on Tuesday, and we are giving away a lot of stuff. And we're not going to leave you hanging if you're somebody that just enjoys the podcast while it's not live. We have episodes coming every week, all throughout the summer, going into the fall, just like normal, every week. So you'll have a chance. We'll give you the details in the next episode on how you could win as well. Yes, we want to make sure that we say thank you not only to the people on the live streams, but the people who listen very, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Religiously. Yeah, religiously. People who are just tuning in every week and are are listening in on the podcast, you will have a chance to win as well. As a matter of fact, we're going to give out equal amounts of prizes to live stream as we are to the podcast. So make sure you're tuning into the podcast over the next few weeks. There will be episodes all summer. We're not like we're not canceling for the summer. We're just not <laughs> doing live streams for the summer because right. Jeremiah and I want to go backpacking. That's and right. so we aren't going to be available for you guys. Sorry. We love you, but we're going to be out in the woods. That's just what we want to do. Yeah. And uh, so uh, starting back up in August, we will start back up with the live streams. But all summer, we will have audio podcasts going on all through June yeah. and July. Just like normal. Yep. So with all that said, guys, thanks so much for tuning in tonight. It has been a lot of fun. Lloyd was a fantastic guest and uh, really looking forward to maybe getting him back on here again in the future. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it's fun. So with that said, Jeremiah, I think it's time to get on out of here. So everybody have a great night. Adios. <laughs>